Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. Welcome to Neil and Nick's uh, Mill Summer History Shows, listeners. And Neil, we've got a real Millwall character. We've just finished recording, listeners, our Legends um, show. And Neil, I think, you know, if you're talking about a wider definition of legend, I think you've got to include our first name in this little series here, mate. Uh, Elijah Moore. Not a name that many will know, but I think he does have legendary status in our club's history. Definitely, and definitely somebody who's been forgotten in the yeah. midst of time because yeah. he died in, what, 1961 when he was mm. the best part of 95 years old. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. served Millwall from the very start of the club. Started off as a gate, as a gateman and was probably yeah. actually a fan before that. Absolutely. Is, funnily enough, just before we started recording this bit, we started talking about non-league football, yeah, uh, uh, and the grassroots show. And you tend to find, if you go to a non-league club, or enough, they will grab you to do something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on vo- voluntary labour, doesn't it? I mean, they're, they're just, yeah, basically, you know. yeah, they will grab you to do something. Yeah. I've done it. It's, it's happened to me before when I was editing or I wrote for a paper in Bogner and ended up doing the Bogner program. Right. Yeah. And things like that. And non league, they will grab you. And Elijah Moore was obviously a fan, uh, lived on the East Ferry Road, grew up yep. there. Yeah. And. So went along and started to watch a local football team. They just happened to be Millwall, Millwall Rovers at the time, didn't they? And um, obviously knew a few people and was grabbed, I presume, and or volunteered, whatever it was, and became a gateman. He never escaped. He never escaped. And there starts, I, I hate the word journey that they use now. Uh, but, but this started a long love affair with Millwall that lasted until well, his lifetime, his lifetime. World War Two and probably beyond. Uh, but yeah, just I think I, I 
think I titled this more than a groundsman. Well, I was just um, going to say you mentioned that you're a journalist by trade, and I, I thought this is this is the, the the notes that Neil sent me, listeners. Betray the real professionalism because Elijah Moore, more than a groundsman, I think that's a great little double double use of the word more and the play on it. And I think it's just I think it also sums up the man's life, Neil, because he was a groundsman, but he was more than a groundsman. He was we've just been joking about the embodiment idea of a club, and I think Elijah did embody Millwall, and he was in at the start and helped on a number of occasions to create it, physically create it. It uh, at North Greenwich and and then at, at Colblow Lane. Um, but let's let's start with his early life because you've you've mentioned he was um, East Ferry Road, so he's on the Isle of Dogs. He's born in eighteen sixty six, born in Canning Town, um, but brought up in East Ferry Road, um, a highly highly industrialised area back then. Neil Dockside Industry of a Victorian nature. Um, just looking at his early jobs here, working as a um, a van boy on the Great Western Railway at the age of 14, listeners, 14 years old, and he's working on the Great Western Railway now. Um, hard work, the physically tough men of that era that created their club. Mate, you people like to class themselves as working class these days, mm. but we're not, we're middle class. We can take this forever, yeah. Very soft and luxurious lives we lead by the side These of the people were working class, and that area at the time was a working class area, heavily industrialized, yeah, surrounded by docks, great poverty. Yeah, uh, this really it if you if you ever go around, if you ever go around the Isle of Dogs now, you can quite easily be lured into a false sense of security. This place was a slum, wasn't it? And Slum's a good way to put it, yeah. It was, it, it was the arse end of London. No one cared about it. It was it's, it's reason. The people that lived on the island, their, their function was to, to it was hard manual labour. I'm just looking yeah. at these notes here, Neil. I mean, 14 years old listeners, he's working as a fanboy on the on the on the railway steam railway great western um 1891 um how old he had been then he's in his in his 20s 25 he's working as a hammer man living in athol street on in poplar with his wife and two daughters uh, agnes and two daughters emily and agnes um he's assisting a blacksmith in forging iron and steel from bar rod plate or sheet iron um hard physical hot tough labor um i mean you're right we we lead luxurious lives now by comparison that's that's what that's working class hard life and many many obviously live short lives as a consequence because it was a there was a tough existence back then so you know i think we we have to remember that's the origins of football professional football in our country and particularly uh, the origins of of, of Millwall football club um, that's the these are the men that helped help create it joining the Working class ballet, didn't they? Working class ballet, and this goes for all clubs. I mean, it includes Stoke, Luton, um, Manchester. All, all of them are born of this. I mean, it's quite strange when we're going off topic a little bit, but you know, the modern world of big money and, and um, clubs flying international games. You know, this is where it comes from, but easily forgotten. Um, Elijah Neil joined our club as a gateman. In 1887, Millwall Football Club, Millwall Rovers, was only formed in late 1885, so just a year and a bit after its formation. He was working as a 
at Gateman. Um, that would have been at um, the back of the Lord Nelson, I would think, um, where I think was the f- first ground that was enclosed and where they probably would have charged to get in there. So he would have been working at the back of the Lord Nelson. And then seven years on from then, so we're talking about, what, 19, 1894, he's joined the staff as groundsman and reserve team trainer. So a step up, step up the, uh, the ladder for Elijah by the mid-1880s, 1890s. I love this little story about his wife serving teas for directors and officials. Um, yeah, that was something <laughs> I stumbled across when I was looking at his life, that this this just wasn't his life, but... His family's was life. life. Yeah, and yeah. Everything the everything the family did seems to revolve around Millwall. I know your wife probably 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 <laughs> groaned when you mentioned that podcast. <laughs> Only slightly. <laughs> I'm going to Millwall again. <laughs> well, we all know that feeling, don't we? But no, I mean going to games and doing podcasts and things like that. They don't understand. But old Eli, he had. Yeah, but he had the right idea. He brought the missus down there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So he's, he's groundsman at, um, this would be North Greenwich, and I suppose the athletic ground in, in due course. The athletic ground is, of course, the one that's now located where Asda is by, by Cross Harbour Station. Um, and for the, I mean, there's no images of, of the um, athletic ground now. I've seen the kind of line drawings of it. It looked a fairly big, wide, expanse of ground so he would have known you know we'd had to have known his stuff to to make a a decent pitch there um yeah, let's face um, it it would have been pretty rudimentary back then there wouldn't have been a no roped areas off for the spectators yeah there wouldn't have been a there wouldn't have been drainage and everything that that they're probably ripping the pitch up as we speak down the den after this season's finished yeah but that's, it's done to a different standard and level yeah. now, isn't it? This would, would have been, been, this would have just been clearing puddles, really, and reseeding in the summer. Um, well, interestingly, none of the grounds, I mean, I think the Isle of Dogs, the ground that it sits on is, is London clay, and I think that drainage was always a problem, I think, um, especially... Marshland, uh, wasn't it? And Yeah, um, the ground like that, that. would come onto at North Greenwich, which um, Elijah would uh, would help build, build, listeners, Um in 1901, um, which is a subject of one of our other shows in this series. So do do tune in for the other shows when the club was forced um, at very short notice to move locations from the athletic ground at, at Cross Harbour, as we call it now, to North Greenwich. Nowadays, we'd call it Millwall Park. Um, Elijah, as in his role as groundsman, Neil, he's also at the same time as being groundsman, he's also uh, training the Millwall athletic side and also running his... Um, uh, a Mill St John's, which effectively was a reserve side, um, which was doing quite well. So he's proving himself as as a, if not a manager in the modern terms, but as a, as a, as a, as a coordinator of a football team in his own right, as well as being a groundsman. It's, it's quite, um, quite a range of roles, really, isn't it, when you look at it? Well, it would have been a full-time employee. He was probably actually, apart from, in fact, yeah, in fact I doubt even the manager back then was full-time. It was an honorary position. So it had probably been one of the only full-time employees. So he had scouting as well, I see. Scouting yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, but it's came through that we're going to talk about the likes of uh, Sammy Frost. Who, Sammy Frost, yeah. yeah. Fred Bevan, who famously came from a family of 21. Can you 21? 
21. <laughs> you can tell they didn't have TV back then, can't you? And, and he's he gone on to have 11 of his own. <laughs> yeah, 11 of his own. Christ almighty. And we have a go at Jordan these days, don't we? Dick Jones, the National, Jimmy yeah. Ryan. They all came yeah. through this great, great Millwall St. John's side, which in 18... 18- 98-99, scored 202 goals. Gary Rowett, are you listening? 202 <laughs> goals, conceded 13, which I think is probably sl- a slight exaggeration. But, Rowett, but, will, his ears will prick up at the conceded 13 part. The 202 goals, that's how they managed to have all the on it. Winning 28 games, games and winning the Northeastern League. So this would have been, this would have been park football. Millwall would have been Millwall yeah. at the time would have been in the Southern League. Yep. And so they needed a side to bring Reserve through the side. Yeah. And a lot of these players they came through the Glengall Board School. Yeah, if you like, he was really a modern day Bob Pearson. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, we mentioned recently um online yeah. by by a, a, a so called famous Millwall fan. Um I love some of the names here. With this Mill St John side, our reserve side listeners at the time became champions, beating this fantastic football man club, London Small Arms. London Small Arms. I think that's a great name for a football club. That would have been a factory. Yeah, that would have been a factory side. I factory guess. side. Yeah, yeah. Eight nil. We've won. But and this been... team attracting hundreds of people. Yeah. They've played a London. They played a London Junior Cup match against a Great Western Railway Mechanics. Another great name. That's a great name. What, what happened to these great name sides, listeners? Um, beat, we beat the Mechanics in Stratford. 10-1. team. They'd only been beaten twice in two years at home, and 400 people that turned up to watch essentially two park teams play. I yeah, know absolutely you on YouTube now, and you have the likes of SE Dons that attract quite a few fans to Sunday morning football down in Lewisham. Uh, yeah, but, it's becoming a thing, isn't it? But these these, yeah. these were, I suppose, it shows the hunger for football amongst working men. There was a break; it was an escapism, Neil, wasn't it, from the kind of life that we've we've all we've described this earlier was on the in this entertainment. Room. This was the, yeah. and they played the Middlesex Junior Cup tie at the Athletic Ground. They yep. beat Millwall Excelsior. God knows who they were. They beat them four 0 But this was watched by eight hundred people. I love <laughs> this. This um, I love this football. They also beat Crouch End Vampires, a club that still exists apparently. The Crouch End yeah, Vampires. I love that name. I want. I want to. I want to find out more about them. At Wadham yeah, Lodge, which is still exists. That still exists as a football centre. Wadham Lodge, nine three win there. Um, yeah, but they actually play in the Southern Amateur League. No. Yeah. When when I was researching this, I thought, oh, I don't know, and Vampires, that's, that's a club that's still in existence. Lo and behold, the Crouch and Vampires are still there. I wonder if they still talk about the day when they got pinned <laughs> by Mill's reserve side, 9-3. Man, managed by the great Elijah Moore. So Elijah is not only a groundsman at the Athletic Ground listeners, he's also managing Mill's reserve side to some success, as as we're, as we're showing here. He's also lending a hand with the first team uh, under the manager of what we would call manager now, Bill Lindsay. Um, and he became uh, a trainer until um, Bob Hunter came in, um, another legendary figure in his own right. 
But Neil, um, the larger figures, legendary status really, for me, really takes hold in 1901 when Mill Football Club, Mill Athletic Football Club nearly died. Uh, and he was given an immense challenge, wasn't he? Um, we had to vacate the athletic ground because it was required by the dock company uh, for, for um, storage works. Um, and he was required to find another football ground and transform it into one capable of taking Southern League football inside what, two months, July, eight, uh, July um, 1901 to September 1901. He performed a small miracle. This would have been back-breaking work, absolutely back, because there wasn't, I guess there wasn't much of the modern machinery. Muscle, yeah, horsepower, yeah. Yeah, basically, this this would have been muscle and horsepower, because yeah. you had to do everything by hand. I don't know if they had, I don't even think mechanical cranes were a thing, which I think would have, well, when we moved cranes, would have, what would have helped an awful lot, but this was no ground was actually a potato field and he turned it into a football ground. And he he was pretty instrumental in finding the location and preparing the ground. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody knows Millwall Park, but it but it, it's it, it's kind of located where the railway arches are now, and then there was a Rope works a little bit further, and there was a little patch of ground that he transformed into this football pitch. I've got a little quote from uh, Lions of the South on on the prospect that Elijah faced in 1901, Neil. Um, which, if listeners will forgive me, I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs. I won't overdo this, but I think it really sums up the prospect that this 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 man faced. Um, it says, poor Elijah must have felt that he needed powers only previously recorded in Genesis. That's not the Grot Rock group, listeners. That's the Bible to get the pitch ready on time. One problem after another reared its ugly head. First, after the original grass was fired, massive ruts appeared, which needed a steamroller to remove. A major headache was water. A heavy clay subsoil prevented it from draining. Yet somewhat paradoxically for six months, it had to be carried to the ground in tubs until it was laid on in the old an old shed, which masqueraded as changing rooms. An old terrace was found from Poplar Park, from uh, Queen Victoria's Jubilee, uh, and to put the finishing touches. And somehow, miraculously, after two months from being told to convert a farm field into a Southern League football ground, Elijah Moore and his small band of volunteers had done it. Um, not only did they have a pitch, but to the amazement of even their own supporters, Mill had a pretty handy side, which looked a bit rusty, but improved greatly. As the season progressed, I think that's a fantastic little bit of prose there by James Murray, um, one of my favourite books, and it really does sum up the the semi miraculous feat that Elijah performed in in turning that piece of scrub ground to a football ground. Neil, it's it's I mean, but for him, we wouldn't have a football club now, would we? No, and uh, there was a great quote from a newspaper of the time. It says, "As a groundsman, more cannot be beaten." He looks after the ground like a mother tends her child. <laughs> That's lovely. I love that. It just sums up what this guy was. And he had a lot of offers to to go abroad. And yeah. Yeah. Throughout his career. And uh, and he always stood by Millwall. He was a he was a true sense of Millwall man. It also and, feature heavily in the, the move to Coldblow Lane, which would follow in nineteen 19- 
10. I mean, that, that's a story we're going to cover in a separate show, listener. So do tune in for that one. But I'm just looking um, at the uh, magazine at the time, dated October 29th, called Lottinger's Weekly. It's got famous, famous. I think people have seen it online before the first game at the the, uh, the den i can't blow lane the visit of uh, brighton however albion and there's a f- series of pictures on there neil um including mr e moore the mill groundsman number six um because he was instrumental in creating uh the the, the pitch which always had a very good reputation at, at can't blow lane it's always known as a good pitch and i think that you know it was, it was clearly a pleasure for him to to work with it there but again there was that was a, an act of creation from nothing. That was um, a market garden, I believe, um, prior to it being turned into a football ground. So there's two two grounds, two middle grounds that Elijah Moore was instrumental in in creating, helping to create. I think that's that's legendary status in my book. Yeah, and funnily enough, we talk about the family connection with him and Agnes, but also his son. Bill joined the ground staff in 1909, uh, sorry, in 1919, and was later head groundsman. And apparently yeah. his grandson, Ron Chenery, was a right. turnstile operator right. at, at the old ground. So this is a this is a club that is, or a family that is steeped in Millwall tradition. Just think Absolutely. of the, the, everything this lot would have had. And he was granted a benefit match, which shows the esteem that he was held in because back then a benefit match or a testimonial, if you like, you don't get too many groundsmen or other club officials having testimonials these days, do you? And it was the first team versus old Millwall reserves made up of players that basically, that we mentioned earlier on in this show. And it had a guest, one George Roby. We're not going to say too much about George Roby because he's going to feature in a show uh, that we've got yeah. planned fairly soon. Sir George Roby, famous musical star, big name, yeah. big show business name in his time. Yeah. He was a sport, sportsman, curiously, um, yeah. signed for Millwall, of course. Um, so that was quite a, that was quite a plum... I mean, to get a testimony, you're right. I mean, that would be a big sum of money for um, Elijah. And even to be all joking aside, I mean, I I see on your notes here that the the board, when he finally retired in 1946, he was granted a pension by the board of directors, which (laughs) they wouldn't have done that lightly, would they? (laughs) When this was made, the board was made up. The secretary beverage had been there since. The turn of the, the century. Beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Thorne had been there since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, another one he died just before this was George Saunders. He yeah. he was around until his death in the early 30s. So these people have come a long way together. By then, we're a club in the football league, and uh we were doing we were doing quite well under under yeah. Cheerful Charlie Hewitt. With, with uh, expectations to get promoted. and yeah, uh, you exactly. Know. And we're going to come on to shows about that as well. And I think I think actually his retirement was put off by World War Two. <laughs> and then got, I think... Got in the way of a lot of things, including our, our club plans. But, yeah, so um, he eventually retired in 46. But, yeah. but these were men that had known each other for a long time and there would have been an upstairs-downstairs situation. But it showed what a caring club and what uh, yeah, well, Mill fans look after each other. I think if there's ever a Millwall fan in trouble, 
even now or you see that now yeah. don't you yeah, yeah. You see everybody that rallies around and 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 the club pension was probably a damn sight more than the state pension back then. absolutely yeah it, it shows in the esteem that this guy was held and everything that he did for Millwall Football Club and some somebody who now is forgotten or, well, hopefully or... hopefully these shows reverse some of that um we, we, we last year we uh, well that's the earlier this year uh, we've organised uh, to get a plaque put up to balls Bob Hunt and I think I might make one my next mission in life to get one put on the wall at the den to Elijah Moore because the the, the headline on these notes capture it very very well he is more than a groundsman he is one of the founding fathers of, of the football club and he deserves to be remembered um, born in eighteen sixty six in Canning Town he would pass away in nineteen sixty one. Um, in, in, in Deptford, aged, what would that be, 90, 95? Um, a, a grand old man and one of the founding fathers of Mill Football Club. So thank you for your contribution on this, Elijah Moore. Thank you for your contribution on this, Neil Fissler, because I think we've captured it very well, what a, what a major figure he is in that club's history. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.